these are three unique aspects of a Godward life. They're not the only aspects of a Godward life, but these are three unique aspects of the Godward life that we have here given to us by means of divine inspiration, and each of these are indicative of a person who's to be growing in grace. Of someone who's at work, working out their salvation, not for it, but to be working out their salvation with fear and trembling. These these three disciplines of generosity and prayer and fasting. So these spiritual disciplines, or we might refer to them as practices, that the child of God will be being engaged in during their sojourns on earth are for their growth and for God's glory. We just need to make sure that we're doing them with Godward motives. Amen? Because, why don't you say it with me, the heart of the matter is the matter. And so when we look into the Word of God, we're not looking into the Word of God to see words on pages. We're looking into the Word of God because it's a mirror and it reflects our our hearts. And that's why when we come to the Word of God, we don't walk away from the Word of God as those who aren't people in need of change. We recognize when we look into the Word of God that we are people still desperately in need of change, of greater conformity in the image of Christ, day by day. Which is one of the sure signs, if you think about it, that we, as God's new covenant people, are understanding that we now belong to the kingdom of heaven, living under the rule of God, awaiting the consummation of our Lord's kingdom rule at the time of his second coming. And one more general observation that I want us to make for our instruction this morning in this list of giving, praying, and fasting. It's important to note that fasting in the entirety of the scriptures is only commanded in connection with the Day of Atonement. On the day that all the people were, it says in Leviticus 16, they were to humble their souls. Notice what it says. I've got it here on the screen. This shall be a permanent statue for you in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month. You shall... Humble your souls and not do any work, whether the native or the alien who sojourns among you. And the Hebrew word here for humble is this idea of being wretched. Of It's actually it, it's the idea of being emaciated. It includes the idea of suffering or of being oppressed. In the Christian Standard Bible, this phrase here where it says, humble your souls is translated, you are to practice self Denial, which would have included the practice of forsaking food, which would thus be an act of self-denial. It would be an act of being wretched before God. And it's on this one day per year, on the Day of Atonement, that all the people of Israel were commanded to observe a fast from food consumption. And it clearly seems that while they were fasting on this particular day, it would have been that which would remind them of their great spiritual need. Every time they would have perhaps felt a pang of hunger within their bellies, it was intended that they were reminded of the greatness of their sin and the free forgiveness of God's sin through the atonement that he has made on their behalf freely. It was indeed a spiritual exercise 
reminding them of how thankful they should be to God's gracious provision for the atonement that he provided for them. Isn't that good? And God had them do that once per year so as to never forget what the Almighty had done on their behalf. However, beyond that, fasting is nowhere commanded, although we see it practiced elsewhere. And in those other cases, we see that it was at the discretion of the individual. God didn't command them to do that. It was a practice that they did for very particular purposes. So when Jesus here is teaching about the reality of and obvious need of fasting, and I hope you find it very unique that Jesus is going to say here, when you fast, it's nowhere commanded, but it seems that the assumption of these new covenant people of God under the rule of God who, who, who are recognizing the lordship of Jesus Christ over their life, they're going to find some circumstances and some time in their lives when they're going to know they have a need for fasting. Just seems to kind of be the given within the context and in our passage here this morning. Could you imagine if we were to see verses that said the believers were to fast without ceasing? Or fast at all times in the Spirit, as we're called to do with the spiritual discipline of prayer. Aren't we glad? I didn't get much response on that one. I'm just making sure you're still with me. Because I have a pretty good hunch um, that fasting is probably not one of those um, top shelf spiritual disciplines that perhaps is oftentimes thought about within our Christian sojourning. And I'm just going to tell you right up front that none of us need to know if anybody's fasting. We're going to get to that here in a little bit. But it's my purpose and my intention here this morning to cause you to leave in such a way with an interest and a hunger now for the fattening of the soul to enter into fasting as a particular practice before God for a particular spiritual purpose in your life or in the life of those you love. To not neglect this thing that Jesus assumes that his new covenant people would be doing. Amen? So I'm going to try to persuade you to fast. I don't ever want to know when you fast. and We're going to find out why. But I'm going to try to persuade you that fasting would be in your best interest. Now with that as our introduction, notice Matthew 6, 16. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. Our, now, and I'm, I'm just throwing up this, this Greek word here because oftentimes we hear, we hear in our culture today this idea of fasting. We have like media fast. We have fast from watching sports. We have fast from all kinds of things. But biblically, fasting is the idea of going without food. This is from Lou and, uh, Lou and Nida in their lexicon. It's just uh, it's a, a time of a religious exercise for the setting apart of food in particular. Now, if you want to fast from media and all these other things, that's fine. 
But it's just not something that we see as a biblical concept. Now, maybe as a principle, it could make application. But fasting within the Bible always had to do without the consumption of food. So it's just to fast or fasting. It's the idea of doing away with eating, which lets us know that even certain diets today, such as the intermittent fasting diet, doesn't count. So if you're like, I'm doing the intermittent fasting, and so that's my fat, that concept doesn't count because, again, within the scriptures, we never see that biblical fasting was for the purpose of self-gratification, for self-profit. Um, it was a degra- degradation of self. It was a humbling of our soul. It was an em- emanciation of ourselves, a, almost a suffering within ourselves in order to enter before God to lift particular purposes and needs, either for ourselves or for others. So there may be some in here who practice intermittent fasting. I'm just letting you know right now that doesn't count. Um, Yeah, uh, losing weight or maintaining weight isn't the biblical purpose for fasting. But legitimate fasting always is reflective of a spiritual purpose of a need, again, in the life of God's children, within God's family, within God's people, within those whom you know and love. During the Old Testament, we have many faithful believers who fasted apart from the Day of Atonement fast, that one which was commanded. We see Moses, Samson, Samuel, Hannah, David, Elijah, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Daniel, and others, all of which had a spiritual purpose and or need in the lives of others or in their lives individually. When God caused, think about this, when the, uh, the first child born to Bathsheba by David to be taken ill, the scripture says that David fasted while he pleaded for the child's life, the purpose for which he was fasting. And we see right here in this opening phrase here in Matthew 16, 6, it says, notice, whenever you fast... Whenever you fast, do not put on gloomy face. So we see here that fasting, though not commanded, it certainly is that which seems to be an expectation from Jesus to those who are claiming to be his disciples. Do you see this? And so an obvious question that we could just ask ourselves, and it is to be asked of ourselves, is when was the last time we actually fasted? We need to have a fresh understanding as a, as a body of Christ, as a church, of what fasting is and what it's for. And I have to state right up front in looking at a multitude of things with regard to fasting, there's no way I can cram it all into one sermon. It's just impossible. So we're going to have an excursus over the next month on fasting, and Pastor Matt's going to give us every last detail in the Word of God. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm hoping that what this will do is it'll get a spiritual hunger within our hearts to start evaluating perhaps the Scriptures relative to fasting, and that we would give indeed consideration because clearly the Scripture says whenever, again, it's not commanded, but whenever you fast, Make this personal. When was the last time you have fasted? But notice what it says. Whenever you fast, this is where Jesus gets particular in prescription with regard to the things we are not to do, as did the hypocrites of his day. Notice again it says here in verse 16, it says that we are not to neglect our appearance. Don't put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. 
And as such, they get what they sought. They, they were noticed by men. They probably indeed uh, received that. Jesus says here at the end that they have received their reward in full. So obviously it seems that they were noticed by men for their spiritual condition of being highly esteemed and regarded in the eyes of their peers, the very thing that they were probably after, obviously, to begin with. It seems without question there was no place for God in their motives or in their thinking. It seems that there was no spiritual purpose for their fasting. And again, if the heart of the matter is the matter, when our heart motives aren't right and all we're doing things are for our own glory and not God's, it seems that we fall prey of becoming the play actors, just like those in Jesus' day, and we play act at being religious before our brothers and sisters within the church or within those before whom we work or whatever organization that we perhaps run circles with. We're just going through motions, play acting, which is actually derived from the word hypocrisy. Jesus says when you fast, don't be like this. Don't do it this way. However, verse 17, but you, personalize this, but you, you, when you fast, when was the last time you fasted? But you, when you fast, it's not commanded. Well, well Pastor Bennett, it's, it's not commanded, so since it's not commanded, I, I'm probably good to go. Well, exactly. It's not a command. But we should be moved within our hearts when we recognize that our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, seems to be clearly indicating that those people within the new covenant are going to find times and circumstances at some point within their sojourning, their Christian sojourning on earth, that they're going to find a place and a need for fasting. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Clearly, we need to be those who put ourselves together normally as we would before going out and about for the day. We need not abandon our normal grooming practices when we start fasting. Uh, there's no need to give any reason for someone to question your appearance by showing up to church or showing up to work, still disheveled wearing your bedhead, which would obviously be noticed by those around you who would obviously say something to you about your disheveled condition. Oh, it's, it's nothing. Your hair's all like out of whack and your, your collar's all flopped up or something, whatever it may be. It, it's nothing. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, shh, I'm just currently fasting. I'm seeking the Lord for wisdom and favor for some things, but that's all. But please... It, don't mention it to anybody. It's just between me and the Lord. No, that's not what we're to do. We're not to show up disheveled and then have people asking us, what's wrong with you? What's going on in your life? You look, oh, I'm just, I'm just fasting. We need to show up with our head anointed, with our face washed, just like you've always done before. And here's why, verse 18, so that your fasting will not be noticed, not be noticed by men. 
If you ever fast in the context of fasting that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6, 8, 16 through 18, if you ever fast in this context, should anyone other than God ever know that you're fasting? Shouldn't. And it would even seem if someone says, hey, are, are you fasting? And you say, well, I don't want to be a liar. I don't want to, you know, how, how do we get out if they ask us directly? Well, if they ask you directly, you might give them a, a little sermonette on the value of fasting and, and how God uses fasting within the, within the context of drawing our interest on a particular purpose for a spiritual need for ourselves or for others to go before the throne of grace and, and someone or our time of great need. And so it's a way to, to um, have a, a very vivid reminder within our flesh as we're mortifying our flesh by not eating that this spiritual need is greater than my physical need. So maybe we could just give them some of that. But there should be no cause, it seems, that anybody would know that you're fasting. Your fasting will not be noticed by, by men, but by your Father who sees in secret and who sees what is done in secret, He will reward you. So this kind of fasting that Jesus is talking about here obviously is different than what was commanded in Leviticus 16 where the entire community fasted together on the same day, the Day of Atonement, this fast that everyone participated in. Everybody knew that everybody was fasting on that day. A fast, by the way, that ceased when Jesus made his once-for-all atoning sacrifice on the cross. It was a sacrifice that was once-for-all, no need for an annual, annual Day of Atonement sacrifice for the remission and removal of sins. Christ is the final and perfect sacrifice. But this kind of fasting that Jesus speaks of here is clearly to be very private, a very private matter between you and God alone. Jesus teaches us that in such fasting, we should do everything to make ourselves look as normal as possible, to not attract attention to ourselves. When we fast, we are to humble our souls in a manner that catches the attention of of our Heavenly Father, who will never fail to notice when the condition of our heart is right before Him. And our Father, it says, who sees in secret and who sees what is done in secret, in this case it would be in your fasting, it says, will reward you. Isn't that great? It reminded me of a passage that we've probably all seen and read and perhaps have memorized this second chronicles 69 that the eyes of the lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his the heart of the matter is the matter god's always after your heart so to what end and for what purpose we might ask are we to fast how long are we to fast all such questions are not perhaps specifically addressed in the Scriptures, but in the Scriptures we find examples of fasts that lasted one day or just part of a day. In Daniel 6, we see a one-night fast. In Esther 4 and in Acts chapter 9, we see a three-day fast. 
In 1 Samuel 31 and 2 Samuel 12, we see a seven-day fast. In Acts 27, a 14-day fast. In Daniel 10, we see a 21-day fast. In Deuteronomy 9, 1 Kings 19, and Matthew 4, we see a 40-day fast. Just pick your number. Go for it. Just you and God. But no matter the length or the duration of the fast, in each of these we clearly see that the fast was for a specific purpose and not just for the abstaining of food. So church, when you fast, having a specific purpose for your fast will be the single most important thing that you will want to define before entering into your time of fasting. Because without a clear purpose, fasting would simply become an end in itself. And every time you would feel the pang of hunger, your mind would only go to calculating how much longer you have to wait until you get to eat again. It just becomes a biting out the clock. When can I eat again? Oh, I'm hungry. i got five more hours. Well, at midnight, when I finally reach midnight, I'm going to go to the kitchen and raid the cupboards. Or even worse, it simply... Such wrong thinking that perhaps we are enduring this fasting, this suffering for the gospel will somehow mystically earn us God's favor because all because you know it, it says that we need to be fasting, and so we're going through fasting for fasting's sake. We don't know exactly what it's going to do, but somehow mystically we think that it's going to cause God, almost like rubbing a rabbit's foot, to grant us favor, and so we fast with no particular purpose for our fast at all but with a clear and specific purpose for your fast. Again, what? When you fast. Every time you feel a pang of hunger, your next thought will be about the purpose for which you're fasting. Which then should lead you yet again to praying for that very burden that the Lord has laid upon your heart and the requests that you are making before your heavenly Father who sees in secret and who sees what's done in secret and rewards faithful hearts in secret. Now, an example would be if you're a parent, some of you are, some of you aren't, and perhaps you have a son or daughter for whom you are deeply concerned. You've got, there are some issues, and you are deeply concerned over these issues, making them and that particular request, that purpose for which you are going to fast, would make all the sense in the world, wouldn't it? And every time you would feel the twinge or pang of hunger throughout the course of your time of fasting, be it one day, three days, or one week, whether you're driving to work or driving home or driving to a game or driving to church, talking to someone, going about your daily activities, whatever they may be, every time you feel the pain of hunger, you're thereby reminded of that spiritual need, of that specific purpose that you feel that is so significant and so worthy of pleading to God on behalf of your child, your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, your neighbor, your coworker, your friend, your, your classmate, your teammate, your neighbor, whoever it may be. We are thereby reminded to pray for them earnestly before the Lord. And fasting is simply then a tool that you use as a means to an end of praying more fervently for God and to God. 
for his wisdom, his mercy, his provision, his strength, his help in time of trouble, for salvation perhaps, etc., 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 whatever it may be. And otherwise, without fasting, you might not even have an inclination as you go throughout the day because you're so distracted by so many things that the thought of prayer seldomly even crosses your mind. But when fasting, and you feel that mortification in your flesh, you feel that you're, you're, bringing, you're purposely bringing some suffering into your flesh, every time you feel the pain of that suffering, it's a reminder to us of the very particular purpose we have for praying. And right there and right then it reminds us, pray. And you pray for that loved one, or perhaps you pray for yourself. Whatever that particular purpose may be, fasting is a very particular spiritual discipline that helps us remind us of a great spiritual need and that we need God desperately to help. Isn't that good? When was the last time you fasted? Do we have loved ones in our lives that have very particular spiritual needs? That when we think about, we feel at a depth of our soul that we know is very urgent and pertinent. And yeah, they're on our prayer list, and we probably, as we go through our prayer list in the morning, we hit that. But do you see how the purpose of prayer would be that for which, as we go throughout the course of that time of duration of fasting, whether it's a day or two or three, whatever it may be, that every time we feel that mortification of our flesh, it's there to remind us to pray. Because if we're honest with ourselves, seldomly are we that intentional in our praying without ceasing as perhaps we are when it comes to fasting. A very particular discipline, tool that God gives us to beseech Him before His throne of mercy and grace in our time of need or in the time of need in somebody in life that we love. In his book, Arthur Wallace said this. He said, fasting is calculated to bring a note of urgency and importunity into our praying and to give force to our pleading in the court of heaven. The man who prays with fasting is giving heaven notice that he is truly in earnest. Not only so, but he is expressing his earnestness in a divinely appointed way. He is using a means that God has chosen to make his voice to be heard on high. When you fast, church. And again from Donald Whitney in his book on the spiritual disciplines for the Christian life. He says, note that biblical fasting is God's idea. When we sense the need to strengthen our prayers, God says in Scripture to apply the force of of fasting. Biblical fasting is not derived from man's imagination as a way to persuade God. For our Lord is always pleased to hear the prayers of his people, but he is also pleased when we choose to enhance our prayers in a way he himself has ordained. So let me ask you, can you think of one significant spiritual matter or concern in your life right now or in the life of someone you love right now, be that family or friend, 
that could be your purpose for fasting. Somewhere, somewhere in, in your mental notes, put that down. Write that down. That could be your purpose for fasting and implementing a way that God himself has ordained to make our prayers before the throne of grace intentional and with force. So perhaps you've, you're sitting here this morning and you've thought, well, Pastor, I haven't fasted in perhaps a long time. I told you when I set out this morning that I was here to try to persuade you to see the value of fasting, not as just something that you know the ascetics perhaps do, but as a practice of a spiritual discipline that has a very particular purpose. And I hope you can feel the weight of glory that is embedded in fasting. It's a mortifying of our flesh, of letting God know there's a spiritual concern, a spiritual need that's so important to us, and we're not going to let anybody know. There's not going to be, there, no one's going to know of our fasting. Perhaps we all show up next week and we've fasted, and not a single one of us are going to know. But who's going to know? Our God who is in secret and who sees in secret. He knows, and He's the one who rewards you for seeking Him in such a way. Now, does fasting, is it like a, a leverage on God's arm? You get God's arm wrenched up behind His back and you change His mind or you change His will? Absolutely not. Our God is in the heavens and He does whatsoever He pleases. But what He is pleased with is when His kids, His new covenant-keeping kids understand the value of these spiritual disciplines, and will fast. That there will be things in our mind of spiritual significance that are greater than the things of this world and, and the pursuits of this world. And we will call out time within our lives, when appropriate, to practice fasting. So church, my challenge for each of us, myself included, is to give due consideration to fasting. It's not commanded, but it sure seems to be implied that God's kids will find opportunities and such needs where fasting is the answer. Have you thought of your purpose yet? What's going to happen is we're going to get up, we're going to sing a song, and we're going to leave, and your purpose is going to go right out your mind because fasting isn't something that we're oftentimes familiar with. It's not something we talk about a lot. So before you leave the room this morning, you, need, you probably need to write your purpose down. A purpose in your life. Greater spiritual disciplines in your life or in the life of a loved one. Whatever or whoever it may be, write your purpose. Have a plan. Don't over-spiritualize fasting. Make a plan. Lord, on Wednesday of this week, I'm going to fast. And here's going to be my purpose. And I'm going to do this and, and just enter into that time. You get up, you groom yourself like you always do, and you look as normal as you do. You don't, you're not carrying bedhead. You look as normal as you always do. Nobody knows but God. 
make it known today. Start the practice. Amen, church? Amen. So when you fast, your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray.